When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. Hey. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BillyFMDFM Show. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show. And make sure you're downloading us on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV and Android devices. And throw our beautiful faces up there on the big screen. And I say our... Because I'm joined here with Chris Dowhower. As always, I'm your host, Dan Meter. And Chris, it is one hell of a week to start off the fantasy football playoffs. It was bad enough. We had star galore dealing with injuries left and right. Now we have COVID everywhere. Breakouts everywhere. We have no idea who's playing, who's going, who's going to be active, who's not going to go. And keep in mind, this week... We got two Saturday games, which are heavily effective, the Raiders and the Browns game in particular, and it's enough to give you an aneurysm trying to figure out how do you win the first round of the playoffs, but I hope you're in good health, and how are you doing today? Yeah, I was going to say, welcome to week one of the playoffs in fantasy football for 2021, because man, this is some craziness we're walking into. The season's been crazy. It seems fitting that this is how our playoffs are going to kick off. If you made it to the playoffs, congratulations. You've experienced one hell of a season you've overcome. Yeah, seriously, you earned it this year. 
it was a low scoring year all the way across the board, first and foremost. We had players pop up with COVID the last second you've had to pivot to. I talked about this in the recap show. I said, going into my playoffs, I don't have just like a pivot option for my starters. I have a pivot for my pivot because that's how prepared you have to be going into this week. We're approaching 40 players on the COVID-19 list. Now, obviously, not all of them are fantasy football related, but enough of them are. And we'll get into some of these games where it's heavily affected, especially, again, that Browns-Raiders game in particular just stands out among the rest. But there are other games that are going to affect some of our fantasy values heading into this week's matchups. And we have yeah, and I, also other just, injury news. Go ahead. I was going to say, not just this week, but moving forward. I mean, we saw a dramatic jump from just last week's testing where there's about 11 or 12 cases on Monday, 37 this past Monday. This is going to be something that might be a trend, unfortunately, as people kind of move inside, get together for the holidays. You might see these numbers kind of jump, and you're hearing a lot of things out there that kind of sounds a little bit scary about how you know it's going around right now. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Next week is the second round of your playoffs. But it's also Christmas. So what's going to happen then when these guys are all going home and getting exposed to even more people that they weren't previously? I know the NFL put in some new protocols and when everybody get their booster shots, they have now some intense protocols. If you hit a certain threshold for amount of COVID players, but that's all, that's all after the fact. It's not preventative. It's all after the fact actions. So it's going to be real interesting to see how we get through this holiday season and keep in mind week 17, which if you're not in an amateur hour league, and I hope you're not, don't worry. We'll be there for you guys in week 18 for all for all of you amateurs out there. But for the ones who are not, your championship weeks are going to be New Year's week. So you might be coming off the heels and in between more holidays, more exposure, more things to look out for. So again, it's imperative to consolidate your rosters. I, I talked about this a lot during the waiver wire report this week. It's about consolidating your rosters. Either you're picking up a player that can go into your starting lineup this week if need be, or you're just ensuring the starting lineup that you already have. It's one or the other. You're you're not at the position right now. You're not trying to pick up guys that may have value if X, Y, and Z happen. Okay, that's not the situation you can possibly be in. Otherwise, you're going to be leaving yourself vulnerable heading through these weeks. But I digress. That's what you have to look for in the fantasy football playoffs. Let's actually get into breaking down these games because now, now it's week 15. We finally don't have any bye weeks to talk about. So we do have 11 games to talk about in today's show. We'll be back either Thursday night or Friday morning. I actually don't know yet for the Thursday night recap and the late slate window of games. But today is about the Thursday night preview and the early slate window of games for week 15. So we'll start off with that Thursday night game. We have a good one on deck. That's the good news. Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers. I know. We actually have a good matchup on a Thursday night. A little bit affected by COVID. Not with anybody you care about from a fantasy perspective, but enough to where it's a little bit interesting. Chris Jones is going to be out for the Kansas City Chiefs. That can drastically change their defense, which has been hot, hot, hot as of late. But Austin Eckler is going to be able to play. Keenan Allen did get activated, so he's going to be good to go. Mike Williams is off the injury report. Everybody else for the Chiefs, from a fantasy standpoint, is healthy and good to go. So pretty much all systems go here for these two teams. Let's get to the real story of this game. Can you, in your first round of your playoffs, trust Patrick Mahomes? That's the story. Because this guy has not been a top 12 quarterback for the past four weeks. He is my QB 12, but I admit I've continued to rank him inside the top 12, and it hasn't worked out that way. He's Patrick Mahomes. This is a big divisional game, but we have to consider this, Chris. 
These are two teams that defensively have been playing better versus the perception. This is a great example of a perception versus a reality game where your perception is you look at the Chargers, you look at the Chiefs, and you think to yourself, big money, high scoring affair. But the reality is both these defenses have been playing quite well. So what game are you expecting and are you going to trust Patrick Mahomes in your first round of your playoffs? So I am a Patrick Mahomes owner, and that's one of my biggest concerns. I understand people being very gun-shy about having in your lineup. Right now, how I look at it is unless you have a great option on your bench or you have a great option on the waiver wire, that maybe somebody still has picked up like a taste of milk, for example, I think there's very other few guys you can feel very confident putting in your lineup. It's been a wild year in general for having the quarterback position where nobody's really kind of finishing where you want them to. If you have, you know, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, who are you going to play? So I think there's a lot of different guys where you have these situations where you're looking at, you know, what you have available or some of these guys that you might have on your roster. And then you look at Patrick Mahomes. He's healthy. He's out there. He plays for the Chiefs. The Chargers defense has been playing better, as you kind of pointed out. But it's also notorious for giving up. And we talked about this on our, our Friday shows. They got 27 points. We land in, land in L.A., basically. You're guaranteed to have 27 points as, as a team that comes over there. And that's usually been the scoring. It's been pretty much the entire season. So whether that Chargers defense is playing well or not, teams are able to score points. And the Chiefs have been playing really well on defense. Uh, I think part of it's from the competition they've kind of played against. But also, you talked about Jones being out. You're not going to have a Snead. He's not going to be out there this week. You're not going to have really gay out there this week. So this Chiefs secondary and pass rush is going to really be suspect. So I think overall, my point is, is that Chiefs don't have to score points in this game. This isn't going to be one of those 20 to 9 games they can kind of get away with, playing like the Denvers of the world and the Raiders of the world. This is going to be a game where they have to put up some points. So I think Patrick Mahomes might still have to beat better when you're when your better options you can put in your lineup unless you kind of just get lucky. The only guy I can think of that, you know, I kind of debated for myself was Justin Fields, for example. Can you play Justin Fields this week over Patrick Mahomes? But you really have just as much of a, uh, of a chance for you kind of to have, you know, a fluke or, or a terrible performance. So it's to me, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go guns blazing for the guy I drafted higher. So I think you still have to put Patrick Mahomes in your lineup more than nine out of ten times. I agree. You you brought up a great point, one. And, you know, if you guys need to get our answers to any of your fan, your fantasy football questions, your lineups, hit us up on social media at BillyBMDFF show. We'll answer them all. And we got a we got a nice mailbag segment for this show and the next show after this, too, with a lot of really good questions. That's what I was asked a lot, though. Patrick Mahomes and who? Patrick Mahomes and Taysom Hill. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts was one that came up. Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo. Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tagovailoa. I got a lot of those type of questions today. I'm going to say this. The one quarterback who I will play over Patrick Mahomes that you probably picked up over the past few weeks, I am going to play Taysom Hill over him. The floor is just higher. Now, I do agree with you, however, that this is a game that sets up where the Chiefs are going to have to score. Now, whether they will or not will be a different conversation because, frankly, outside of the Raiders a few weeks ago, not even this past week, a few weeks ago, they haven't really scored against anybody no matter what the prospect has been anyway. But I will say this. I do think this is a game in which you're going to see Patrick Mahomes throw for 40 times in this game because the points are going to have to be scored. So I think you'll take that volume with this team in this matchup at the end of the day. But that's just, that's just where we are in fantasy football right now, where we have to question, do you track Patrick Mahomes? He's at the end of my QB1 list. That's how nut it is. You're fine with Tyreek Hill. You're fine with Travis Kelsey. Because even when Patrick Mahomes hasn't performed well, these guys have been able to eat. These guys get the volume. I know that lately, the past three weeks now, they've been very disappointing, all, both of these guys. But them, them I trust. 
especially Kelsey. With them, I trust. And on top of it, when it comes to those guys, I don't know who you have who's going to have more upside, more potential, more eliteness than them anyway. Take this last three weeks. Travis Kelsey's still the number two tight end on the season right now, only behind Mark Andrews. You're still going to play him. Tyreek Hill is still a top five wide receiver despite the last three weeks. You're playing those guys. That's not really a question mark. It's Patrick Mahomes. And then the other question is, where are you on the Chiefs? I mean, you got you got to play Clyde Zolaire. But I also think you have to consider playing Darrell Williams if you're playing Clyde Zolaire. I got them both inside my top 36 this week. CEH had the two touchdowns last week. But their usage, very, very close overall. Clyde Zolaire had 10 carries to Darrell Williams' two. But Williams had the more routes run, had the more receptions, and still had the touchdown. Edwards Hilaire did not. Chris, is CEH anything more than a touchdown-dependent low-end RB2 right now? I think that he's he probably could be, but I think right now that might be equivalent to having almost an RB1 in a lot of teams right now because of the decimation at the running back position and the flukiness of where guys kind of are. Like, you know, like I say, like a James Robinson, for example, what you got last week out of him. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be on offense. The team's going to be scoring points for the most part. They're playing a Chargers team that has been horrendous versus the running game most of the season. Um, and then you have William stealing a lot of the playing time, but I also think that you see the touches are definitely more so for Edwards Hilaire. It seems when he's out there, he's getting the ball. Williams is still getting the playing time, but I think Edwards Hilaire is very touchdown dependent in a lot of ways. However, having said that, if you can get 12 to 16 points at the running back position right now, you're pretty excited outside the topic, you know, having a Jonathan Taylor or, or Fournette. No, it's a fair point. Like I said, he is in my top 24, so he's an RB2, so ultimately I'm going to start him. But here's a question I got a lot, and I can understand why a lot of people be in this position. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know what? I have two other good running backs, or I have really good receivers. I just need one running back. Who do I play between a CEH and a Javante Williams? And my answer consistently this week has been Javante Williams over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, I might mean, argue that strongly because I think that Javante Williams has been on fire as of late. And you've seen Denver basically just abandon anything but their running backs usage in their offense. So you have to kind of, I, I can understand that. That's a fair debate. And, you know, thank God you're in that situation as a team because I don't think many people really are choosing between that right now. I think that's what you're hoping. You just have at least two helping running backs. You have three and you can bench one of those guys. Awesome. Yeah, no, totally agree with you there. But that's a question I was getting a lot so far this week. Let's flip over to the Chargers side of the ball. So, again, Keenan Allen, he's activated. He's good to go. Mike Williams is off the injury report. He was dealing with the heel. He's fine. He practiced. Austin Eckler technically is going down as a game-time decision, but he was able to practice the last two days. The expectation is Austin Eckler is going to be able to go. I think you're definitely playing Keenan Allen. You're definitely playing Austin Eckler. And you have to play Justin Herbert because he's been on fire lately, too. And, again, I point out Chris Jones being out. While, yes, Rashawn Slater will be out, the Chiefs, don't have as much of a pass rush without Chris Jones out there. So Herbert, I'm good with playing him. He's actually in my top five. The question is, do you play Mike Williams? He comes to my wide receiver 29. So he's a mid-level wide receiver three for me, which means on most teams, I'm going to be rolling him out there. Again, this game has a decent chance to be a high over-under, a scoring affair. And I think that you are probably playing him, but I could see a scenario in which you have other options to be able to pivot to. I didn't like what I saw out of him last week when he was supposed to be the quote-unquote number one option, the way they tried to utilize him. And with Keenan Allen back, he just matches up better against Kansas City than I think Mike Williams does in this instance. So I think he's still an option, but Chris, do you have confidence in him this week? 
I don't know if I think you're going to get an explosion game on Mike Williams necessarily, but I think he has a pretty solid floor. As I pointed out earlier, they're you know, they're going to be Chiefs are going to be out without just now Jones. They're going to be out down two corners as well. That definitely sets up well for these guys. And the Chiefs have been pretty good against the run as well. So I think that's one thing that you kind of keep in the back of your mind. Chargers are probably going to throw the ball a decent amount in this game to be able to move the ball. So I think you look at all those factors. I think if you have Mike Williams as an option, he's not a bad receiver three or receiver uh, or flex play for you to have in your lineup this week. So betting on this game, I don't know how you bet a winner in this game because both these teams are very evenly matched right now. The line is minus three on Kansas City on the road. So from that standpoint, I might be interested in taking the Chargers plus three because they're at home. And I think it's kind of a little disrespectful given how evenly these two teams are matched that the Chiefs would be minus three favorites heading into this game. The over-under is what I'm looking at, 52 and a half. So are we buying into this being a high-scoring game? I tend to think yes, because of the COVID issues and a lot of the injuries have hit both these defenses. Now, the Chargers, it sounds like Derwin James and Asante Samuel both will be able to play, but will be banged up in doing so. But because these defenses are a little bit banged up heading into this, a little bit behind the eight ball heading into this, I do think the offenses went out. I think this game goes to 55 or more. So I will bet on the over at 52 and a half and call it a high scoring Thursday night affair. Chris, where are you at? Yeah, first of all, I think I want to establish, I don't know if the Chargers have such a thing as a home game because they don't seem to have much of a home field advantage ever. Um, but yeah, I think that the, I think the over is definitely the way to go this game. I do think it's going to be a uh, game to be high scoring. I, you know, we talked about the defense is kind of trending in the right direction as of, as of recently. With all the different injuries they're kind of having suffering, Derwin James is banged up recently. I think you look at both defenses, exploitable definitely, and teams can both take advantage of them. You have two teams that kind of have a decent pace as well. So that kind of plays in favor of them going the over. And as for who I like on this game, I think this is a pick of that Vegas has got you, you know, either way, because this is a game that I don't want to touch. I don't I don't think we have a really good feel of who, who either one of these teams are, despite you know both teams being really hot. I don't think either team's really shown you what you want to see necessarily that you trust yet. Well, that's the thing. Both these teams have been beating up on lesser competition, so they're beating the teams they should beat. That that's fine, and that's that's for sure. But when they play against other teams that are about the same equal skill level. We've been scratching our heads pretty consistently throughout this season when it comes to both these guys. So that's what's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Thursday night. Well, let's talk about this Saturday game. Yeah, raise the alarms because this game is ugh, going into it. I, I don't even know who's going to play. <laughs> let's start on the Brown side because that's where the mess really, Big really chub. is. And stop there. So, Nick Chubb's, yeah, and that's pretty much it. But I don't even know how good Nick Chubb's going to do. That's my concern. We have Kevin Stefanski, head coach. He's going to be out on COVID. I know technically, so Stefanski, Landry, and some of these offensive linemen, they all have a chance to play because they're all vaccinated. Ain't it going to happen. This just dropped on Tuesday and Wednesday. We haven't seen a quick turnaround for these guys, really, for the most part. So my assumption would be <laughs> Stefanski's out, Landry's out, Three of the five starting offensive linemen are going to be out. Kareem Hunt will be out, and his issue at least isn't because of COVID. And just a complete mess with the Browns. Oh, and don't forget, you know, Baker Mayfield. So Case Keenum is going to be the starting quarterback on top of it. So, yes, that brings us to Nick Chubb. I do have Nick Chubb ranked as my RB8 just because the volume, I assume he'll get it. I assume he'll get 20-plus carries. But behind a JV offensive line with a backup quarterback, backup receivers, and the offensive coordinator being the new head coach, I don't know how much optimism you can have heading into this matchup. 
Yeah, strangely, I do have a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that one of the things that's been bothersome has been Nick Chubb's usage over the last few weeks with Kevin Stefanski as the coaching and how, how this offense has kind of been run in general. Uh, we've seen Case Keenum have his offense be able to move before and, play, and kind of rally when Baker Bayfield went out before and their offense kind of finds its identity. And Jarvis Landry's been the shell of himself for most of the season, and he had maybe one decent week a couple weeks ago. But for the he most been part, he's gone stronger the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I have to give him that to a degree. You're, you're right, he has been. But overall, you've seen you've seen this offense be able to still have Nick Chubb be featured and be effective. And Jarvis Landry basically had one leg out there. So I think when you put all those factors together, it might not be much different than Cleveland's really been for most of the season in a lot of ways. Just taking Stefanski off the sideline. So I wonder if it's not going to actually be a little bit of benefit. We like you liked what you saw when Case Keenum was a quarterback. I think we both did, especially in that Denver game of how they kind of attacked and played. I think you're going to maybe be able to see something similar. And this is also a game that I think they realize who their, their top guy is. They're going to have to be kind of dominant. Their defense is playing a lot better. They're going to be a running run game and, and play defense basically. So I think this is going to be a great smash spot opportunity for Nick Chubb. I wouldn't even surprise Nick. You know, Dernis Johnson becomes a possible flex option. I mean, he looked really great. We played really well last time. He kind of played that cream hunt role and kind of tandem up with Nick Chubb. So he's a guy that can, those two guys are probably going to be most of their offensive opportunities, um, which basically speaks to guys who take people out of the box otherwise. Yeah, well, look, we, I did like what I saw out of Case Keenum last time. That the, the quarterback change doesn't really bother me, but we didn't see Case Keenum behind a completely backup offensive line except for one or two starters. We didn't see him without a Jarvis Landry that he could use as a safety blanket. We didn't see him without a tight end. Don't forget, Austin Hooper is also out in COVID-19. We don't know if David Njoku or Harrison Bryant are going to be back either. This is a different scenario than what happened that week when Case Keenum came in there. So that's why it becomes very, very curious to me. Ultimately, like I said, Nick Chubb still having the top 10. You're still playing him. You're still starting him. He's still an RB1. But it is going to be a little bit interesting to see exactly what his ceiling truly is in a situation where he's the last man left standing and not really in a good circumstance. Let's flip it over and talk about Josh Jacobs, who's been he's been getting all the usage in the world, still disappointing because of how bad his offensive line has been, how inconsistent his offense has been. It stands to wonder if Cleveland would not be in the same situation heading into this game. Ultimately, you're playing these guys, but maybe you're looking at the flex position saying, you know what? I got to take a little bit of a more of a home run hit here. Can't expect the same kind of ceiling because heading into this matchup, if everybody was playing, I had Nick Chubb in the top five originally when I did my rankings because this is a great match against the Raiders. But now with everybody out, you have to tinker down. You have to lower your expectations just a bit, in my opinion. The only other guy outside of Chubb that I think is worth talking about is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, once Jarvis Landry is officially ruled out, I'll update my rankings on bellyupfantasysports.com, and that'll reflect. I do believe Peoples-Jones will probably make my top 36 at that point. He played all the snaps last week. He actually played a little bit more than Jarvis Landry did. He's been getting a higher target share each week since OBJ went to the Rams. He's kind of establishing himself as that guy. I do wonder what his fit is going to be like with Case Keenum, but I do think he's an option to turn to, especially in wide receiver three leagues, flex leagues this week, because he should get a lot of the volume, especially if they don't get a tight end back and with Jarvis Landry out. Yeah, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I'm sorry. He's seen him wide. I think he he was you know serviceable. I don't trust him feeding a passing attack. The two things, like I said, I trust in this game, especially well, number one thing is Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb's going to be able to carry this team, particularly versus this Raiders defense that can't stop the run. I think Cleveland can be kind of down to their 
lower offensive line guys and still be superior to what the Raiders have offensive line wise. I think the guy I'd be most worried about on the other side of the ball is actually Jacobs. That's where I have more of a concern of where I'd be looking for maybe knocking his value down to agree. But I think otherwise the Cleveland passing game is not something I trust at all this week. Can't argue with it, but I do think the volume does stand up. People just there, 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 I, think there, I think there could be, I think there could be value there. I won't argue and people are willing to try that in their first round of the playoffs More power to you. I'm not going out playing a dominant yeah. people's Jones in my willing life. or being have to. That's one more. People's Jones is more <laughs> of that. If you have to, there might be value there because of the volume. Let's let's talk about Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about the Raiders. Now I have an RB 13. I still love his usage. I think last week was a bit of a fluke and how that game went. Remember, Kansas City was up 35 to three heading into halftime and just everything that could go wrong with the Raiders went wrong. But I'm still holding my hat on the fact that Josh Jacobs has gotten six plus targets three weeks in a row now. Two weeks ago, he had nine catches. That's not going to change with Jalen Rashard coming off the active COVID list now either. Why? How do we know this? Because he was already getting that usage with Kenyon Drake still healthy and active. So nothing for me changes there. The usage against Cleveland allows Josh Jacobs to have a high floor, and he should find a way to get back into the end zone. He comes in my RB13 this week. So, yeah, I have him a little bit lower than Chubb, sure. But this is still a guy that his usage overall, I don't think you're benching in any capacity. You're playing him as a high-end RB2. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I so you can consider him RB two. I, I think Nick Chubb is going not Chubb. I'm sorry, uh, Jacobs is going to not a guy who I love's upside this week. I think Cleveland is a tough matchup. They've been pretty good against the running game for most of the season. Their defense is a bad matchup. I think overall for the Raiders' offense, and I I, I just don't love the ma- I just don't love this game for him. I think he's somebody you have to play if you have him on your team, of course. But he's not somebody I think you're going to slowly trust that you're going to get a great game out of. That's your full point. PR. Yeah, sure. And then outside of that. We're, we got Hunter Renfro. Now, he's my wide receiver 16 Cooper this Cup week. Cooper Cup Jr. That's exactly what he is. I don't know if he, is he Cooper Cup Jr. or is he the next Julian Edelman? I was talking about this. Because you reminded me of Wes Walker actually more than Edelman. But, yeah, I think, well, um, I think that's model, a good yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he comes in wide receiver 16. You love his usage. Even if Darren Waller comes back, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen because Darren Waller's now gone two days in a row where he hasn't practiced. Remember, this game's on Saturday, so today would have been the equalizer to a Thursday practice, and Waller still wasn't out there. So Hunter Renfro will continue to get his dominant volume there in the middle of the field. I do think against Cleveland, though, with a healthy secondary, his ceiling that he's been at where it's like 100 yards and a touchdown all of a sudden on top of the 8-9 catches – might dip down a little bit, which is why this is the first week in three weeks that I don't have him inside my top 12 wide receivers. But is there a guy that you could trust more heading into your first round of your playoffs outside of a Cooper Cup right now? I don't think there is. No, I mean, I can understand how questions about is, you know, is, is he going to be able to sustain his 100 yards and the touchdown production he's having out there? But when you watch the Raiders right now, their car, all he looks comfortable throwing the ball to is Renfro, and it seems like Renfro gets run the entire route tree by himself so that it's basically they just feature him in the passing game no matter if they're up, down, doesn't matter. So he seems to be one of the safest plays you can put out there because they just look for him constantly. Uh, Foster Moreau has been a disaster for streaming purposes. He's been kind of been dealing with a dominant injury himself, but he is going to be playing. He is going to be active. He is inside of my top 16. He's a streaming option if you need to go that direction because somebody else is going to have an opportunity to score touchdowns at some point, and he's got as good a chance as anybody else inside that 13 to 16 range as far as tight ends. 
but see what other options are available to you. Let's talk about betting this game. We have, I just had it here in front of me, just escaped my presence for some reason. They give me the Patriots Colts, but they don't give me the uh, the Browns Raiders, which are playing on the same exact day at the moment. That is off. probably okay. who's that COVID right now. Hold they on. just take yeah, it off. Yeah. They just take it off. So that's actually newsworthy right <coughs> now on the sports books. You cannot bet on the Cleveland Browns Raiders game at the moment, probably due to your point on COVID. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. That line earlier was five and a half in favor of the Cleveland Browns, actually. Now, that's probably all changed because of the COVID news. I was actually going to take the Browns minus five and a half. That was going to be my bet. But now trying to get you guys the updated version of it. They've taken that game off the list. Probably will come back along with the next couple of days when the dust starts to settle. We know exactly who's going to be active for that week. So you guys keep your eyes on that. Value can still be had in a game that might be full of chaos. So just kind of keep your eyes on that and see exactly what happens. Uh, Let's move on, though, to our next Saturday matchup again. That's Saturday at 4 o'clock. The Patriots-Colts game is the Saturday night game at 8 o'clock. So keep that in mind. You're going to set your lineups. Keep Remember, there are Saturday games this week, okay? I don't want guys forgetting that. Be like, oh, crap, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. There's two Saturday games. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to set your lineups this week and pay attention to that. And get guys out of your lineup, too. Don't wait till Sunday morning to set your lineup and have Jarvis Landry sitting there like, oh, crap, I had Jarvis Landry starting last night. Exactly. <laughs> and and also, treat it like a Thursday night game. When you treat it like a Thursday night game, if you're going to play somebody in a game that's earlier in the week, always put them in their position, not in the flex. So if you have, let's say you have Keenan Allen, and you didn't know if he was going to play or not, and you had him in the flex, don't keep him in the flex. Put him in your wide receiver spot because you just don't know what's going to happen, especially this year with all the COVID outbreak. You want to have as much flexibility in your roster as possible. So treat the Saturday night games the same way you would treat a Thursday night game. But let's talk about the Patriots and the Colts. So I don't know how much fantasy value we're going to have here. This might be a very defensive battle. It's shaping up to be a very defensive battle. But let's start off with the good news. The good news is Damian Harris has been practicing in Olympic capacity. It looks like he's going to be active. Now, it's a tough match against the Colts, and he's splitting carries with Ramondre Stevenson. But because he gets to have first crack at the end zone, he does wind up making my RB33. So that's what he is. He's a low-end RB3 who is touchdown dependent. By the way, Ramondre Stevenson, my RB37. So he's outside my top 36 consideration but he's pretty much in the same boat of a Damian Harris where you're going to probably get 10 plus carries, but you need a touchdown to really be fantasy relevant. Chris, are you going to play a Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson? If you have other options, I think I'm going to play Damian Harris. uh, If I have him on my roster this week, I think that you've seen pretty solid production and a pretty solid floor. And you see the Patriots are able to usually move the ball. So regardless, he usually gets an opportunity to score a touchdown. 
He still has a big playability. What you don't love is involvement in the passing attack. So if you're in a PPR league, you might lean towards Stevenson in that case, where you have seen him be active in both, you know, all facets in a sense. Um, but I think that for me, I think Harris is the safest play in the backfield for the Patriots this weekend. And I think you can put him in your lineup as well. Got a good question coming in from social media. Marcos Valdez during the show, he's asking Herbert or Rogers. Chief C has been solid lately. I do have Justin Herbert ranked a couple spots ahead of Aaron Rodgers this week. Again, Herbert has been on fire. He's getting his full weapons back with Austin Eckler being a little bit banged up. I can't help but wonder if the Chargers are going to lean a little bit more on their passing attack heading into this one. Now, ultimately, when it comes to Rodgers and Herbert, I don't think you can go wrong. Either way, I I think you have a top six quarterback on your hands. But if I'm sticking to my rankings this week, which I will, which you can find on BillionFantasySports.com, I'm going to stick with Herbert over Rodgers by two spots. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Justin Herbert's the guy that has the safest play on paper and also is healthiest right now. So you're going to go with the guy who's been hot, and the guy who plays the pace offense versus Green Bay offense that can get stagnant at times and play the slow pace. So I think you put the safer guy into Justin Herbert in that situation. We will talk about the Packers later on the show, but I will say the uh, the injured toe seems to be helping out Rodgers and his stat line as of late. But we'll get into that and more later on. COVID All right, toe. so in the COVID toe. Outside of that, I'm not. I don't want to play any pass catchers of the Patriots. Hunter Henry technically makes my tight end 13, which means he would be a top streaming considering tight end, which makes me want to shoot myself. But he is a touchdown potential guy so he's in that consideration but i'm just gonna say this he's no different than a foster moreau a tyler conklin so it's it's a matter of a preference pick as far as who do you want to go in that direction i hope you have a top 12 tight end that that's all i'm really kind of trying to say there let's go into the Colts. so the patriots team has been really good and carson wentz at times has been a streaming quarterback but i don't have him in my streaming quarterback territory this particular week again i think this game has Grounded out, and who gets to play better defense? And that's what's going to happen in this game. So, Jonathan Taylor, I love him. He's my RB1. There has been times this season where teams, if they have committed themselves to the run, they've had great success against the Patriots. Plus, Jonathan Taylor is just, he is the RB1. That's just, there's, I don't think there's any disputing that. So, you're playing him, you're playing him with confidence. Where's your confidence on a Michael Pittman? I got him at wide receiver 17. Yeah, I think he's that top 20 guy. I think he's definitely going to be at least a receiver, too. You know, the Patriots and Tories were trying to target and take away guys, but the Colts have done a good job of moving Pittman around enough, and the Patriots aren't quite the same secondary they have been in the past where they're shut down corners or able to just kind of key on guys because they still have to kind of worry about other things, and especially people like Jonathan Taylor. So I think Pittman's still a safe play to put in your lineup. You might not love the upside. You don't think he's going to go off or go crazy, but I think he's probably the safest pass catcher. And I think I have a very different read than you do on this team. But I think it, I, I think it's just more of a gut feel than versus a, you know, kind of how things have been tr- tr- trending. Um, but I look at the Colts and being that it's in Indianapolis, I expect this game to actually be a little bit high scoring in a lot of sense. They match up well with each other. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Jones has actually ones up being a streamable play this week. And I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz has a decent game. I think he, look how, how the Colts can attack this New England Patriot defense. They're going to give him a hard time. And I think vice versa for the Patriots. I think their weapons are going to be a little bit hard for the, the Colts to kind of stop. The Colts have done a good job causing turnovers. And they've done a good job of kind of, you know, give, limiting the big play here and there, or, or of late, I should say. But you can move the ball in this Colts defense. And right now, the Colts defense isn't as good as it used to be, especially in the past, past years. 
So you're going to play a Mac Jones and or a Carson Wentz first round of your playoffs? I think that depending on what your situations are, you might you might have that consideration. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of guys. I think people are not. If you don't have a Lamar Jackson this week, I think you're going to make some considerations of guys that you're going to be able to pick up and play. I think is one of the guys you might be able to do or two of the guys you might be able to do that. I'll say this right now. There's no Lamar Jackson. I'd rather play Tyler Huntley over on well, Mac Jones okay. or Carson Wentz. We were going to get the Ravens at the end of this thing, but I 100% agree with you. I think that's the guy to go with, but that's just from, <laughs> I think there's still an option if you're not that comfortable doing so. My point more so I think there's other options that have more upside and more of a floor ratio than two guys who've been hit or miss and are going against good defenses well, I, this week. Do you like Matt Ryan? Do you like Jimmy, Jeremy Garoppolo? I mean, threw those names, threw Jimmy Garoppolo's name out earlier. Tatua Tagaloa. These are guys where I think what more production do you really expect out of these guys versus those two players necessarily? A hell of a lot more because you have Jimmy Garoppolo playing against the Atlanta Falcons. That's why he's my QB 13. You have Tua Tagovailoa playing against the New York Jets. That's why he's my QB 14. I'm not a fan of Matt Ryan this week at all. Uh, but yeah, so I would like them a lot more because of the matchup. The matchup makes sense. The matchup doesn't make sense here for these guys. But I agree with you. If all things were equal, these those are quarterbacks that would all be in that same tier. But that's where the matchup comes into play as far as guys I would trust and or uh, not. Well, let's talk about betting this game since you seem to have a crazy feel. This is going to be like the greatest show on turf type of game. <laughs> I'm not going that far. It's not going to be 38-30 like or anything like that. But you look at, look at this team. This is You look at Frank Reich and what he did versus his Patriot defense in the Super Bowl, and you look at the matchups, and I think you think you see a lot of things that both teams kind of, can kind of take advantage of with each other. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I want your opinion. That's why you're here. Uh, over under is at 45. So are you take the over, Chris? Are you take the I would over? take the over. I would oh, take the over. Hoo, hoo, hoo. I think that line is good. I, I think it's going to go either way, so I'm going to back off that line myself. The game line is more interesting to me. Minus two and a half in favor of the Colts. I think the Colts take care of business at home. I think they are the more talented team. I think the Patriots, in some ways, had a big emotional win last week against the Buffalo Bills. I think the Colts will take care of business in Indianapolis, and being at two and a half is essentially a pick em. Give me the Colts in this game, and I like the bet. Yeah, I have the vibe for the higher score game. I don't have the vibe for who's going to win this game, so I'm not betting on it necessarily. I like it. I like it. All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we have a lot more games to preview, guys. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you are in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media, at Show. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. You can always check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you pretty much everywhere and available on the Amazon App Store. Just type in the MD's Fantasy Football Show, download us on the Fire TV or your Android devices, and you can have the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on demand anytime you need it, especially with the playoffs, guys. The playoffs are here. We're on our way to championships. I'm so excited. This is my favorite time of the year. Don't worry. We'll be there for week 18. And we're even going to be around for once a week, Chris, when uh, when the playoffs start. Because we'll talk with Chaz. We'll talk about our bets. We'll do. We'll continue on our DFS tournament. So we're not going to just disappear into the ether. We'll go from five shows to one. But we're not just going to disappear into the ether when the regular season's over either. Because this show, again, we're not just about fantasy football. We're about winning you money along the process, too. So we ain't going anywhere for the playoffs. I can tell you that much right now. All right. Let's continue this thing on with the Carolina Panthers, the Buffalo Bills. Two teams that are trying to find a way to get back on track. Let's start off with the train wreck that is the Carolina Panthers. And Chris, I was very, very delighted to hear that a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon that I feel like I started on this show, humbly, uh, last Monday, that Matt Rule is the next coach to get fired after his firing of Joe Brady, which was stupid, and I think painted a target on the back of him because now you are, as a big-name coach, that a lot of people revere as a very good offensive mind that you decide to get rid of because of disagreeing philosophies. And you have a team that was your fault that you brought in Sam Darnold and paid for him and wanted him and started him. And now you have Cam Newton. And now you have no idea who your quarterback is going to be. You're the one who wanted to keep PJ Walker as the backup quarterback for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Who doesn't belong in the NFL. And now people are starting to jump on the bandwagon that, you know what? Maybe Matt Rule might be one of the coaches who had role at the end of the season. I know it's not fantasy talk, but I'd love to get your take on that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Matt Rule is going to have at least another year. I know there's starting to be a little bit of heat put on him, but I think that their ownership is going to give him a chance. This team was rebuilding. They did kind of show progress over the last two years, and I think last year kind of brought him that idea that his team's progressing. I don't think they can have another re- repeat year in the playoffs, but I think this year they can kind of get away with it. I think Joe Brady, it's the firing. We've seen this kind of happen before. I don't think it's going to necessarily, uh, you know, get him fired because I think we've seen other co- coaches move on from coordinators over different philosophies. Mike Zimmer's notorious for doing so, but Jim Harbaugh is also doing the same thing. Um, John Harbaugh, I should say, has done the same thing in Baltimore. Um, you've seen him go through different offensive coordinators and kind of move on depending on what guys he didn't like or did like. So I don't think that's going to be a big deal for Matt Rule. I, do I think it's stupid? Absolutely. Do I think that he looks like a coach who's trying to just grasp at straws? Yes. I think he's the issue in a lot of ways. I don't think he's going to take the heat for it that he should. Um, necessarily for by the end of the season get fired, but I do think he is the problem. I think when you don't have when you play two quarterbacks in the NFL, it's just dumb. Um, when you don't commit to something and you make teams know what you plan to do week in week out, we want to run the ball. 
So surprise, surprise, when teams are playing 10, 9, 9 or 10 guys in the box against you because you made it obvious what your game plan is week in and week out. I think that is he is definitely overreacting to the situation, and that makes him look foolish, but I don't think it's going to quite cost him his job yet. I think it, I think it will. I think there's a lot there's a lot of heat on him. I don't think this team's improved. I don't see the development in the in it, and I think the Sam Darnold move is going to wind up sinking both him and the GM uh, moving forward. But we'll see. Neither here nor there. Let's get back to fantasy football here. Let's talk about the Panthers. So, what do you trust in the fantasy football side with the Carolina Panthers? I will say this: the good news is DJ Moore. Looks like he's going to be able to play. He was listed with a hamstring injury coming out of the week, but he was able to practice in a limited capacity today. That's a very good sign that he actually will be available. He is my wide receiver 22. Again, when we look at Buffalo. It's not the same defense without Javius White. They don't have the lockdown guy. Get rid of him. They did a better job of getting the ball to the wide, oddly enough, to the wide receivers this past week. I know it was against Atlanta. But DJ Moore, I think he has a safe floor. We know he has big after-catch ability. So I am going to play DJ Moore as a low-end wide receiver, too. Yeah, I agree. DJ Moore is probably the only Panther I feel confident having in my lineup this week. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I do have Chuba Hubbard at my RB32, but he falls in that same category with Damian Harris to me, where it's like, you're probably going to get somewhere between 10 and 15 carries, but I really need you to get a touchdown because how many yards you're going to get is really a huge question mark. The big difference for me is Damian Harris has a much better offensive line. He's running behind in a much, a much better scheme. He kind of has a balance of what they're trying to do and establish. I think the Panthers are clueless with the running game right now. So, yeah, I, I understand the, the comparison, but to me, it's even more you know volatile in a sense because they just don't really know how to kind of establish the running game that they want to so badly. I don't disagree. And then with Hubbard, the reason why he's not the same type of handcuff he was earlier in the season, because now Amir Abdullah has gotten there, he's completely taken over the passing down role. Now, without Christian McCaffrey, this passing down role for the running backs is greatly reduced in general anyway. But none of that went to Chuba Hubbard last week. It all went to Amir Abdullah. That's kind of what I expected to see happen and what I expect to continue to happen, which also hinders his value down again, being an RB3 touchdown dependent type of player. And the one guy that I have had ranked the past few weeks, I don't this week. Well, I have him ranked, but not in the streaming territory. And that's Cam Newton. One, I can't trust to play a quarterback who can't play the two-minute drill because that's where a lot of fantasy points come from. And two, I don't like him against the Buffalo Bills defense. So I'm going to go with other options I feel much better about than a Cam Newton this week. Yeah, you can't trust Cam after that debacle. And then, like I pointed out, Matt Rule's weirdness of the quarterback position where He's turning this into, you know, rotating quarterback situation that you can get with. Yeah, it's not Florida University. Exactly. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But let's move over to the Buffalo side. So, of course, the big story we're all following is Josh Allen. Where is he at with the foot sprain? He was able to practice in limited capacity today. All indications so far at this point point towards him being able to go and tough it out. Now, obviously, his mobility will probably be limited to some degree, and that does affect his overall fantasy value. But because this team throws the ball so much anyway, and they do have the weapons to throw to, you're playing Josh Allen. He's my top five quarterback this week. And on paper, against Carolina, it looks like a tough defense. But this is a Carolina team, and this is why I think Matt Rule is ultimately going to get fired. It looks like it's quitting out there. 
It's unraveling on the defensive side of the ball as well. Over the past four weeks, this is actually a bottom 10 defense against the pass and against the run, not the top 10 that it would be overall for the season. So this is not the same matchup it would have been a few weeks ago. I'm playing Josh Allen with confidence. I'm playing Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver 10. I'm playing Dawson Knox. He's my tight end six. I think the only question is, Chris, when it comes to Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley, are you going to play one or both or neither? Um, I think for the, the safest bet is to go with a uh, Cole Beasley if you're in a full-point PPR league. If you're in a standard league, I think then you can maybe try Gabe Davis as a flex option or receiver three desperation. I think he has been more consistent in the red zone. You've seen him kind of be involved, and you know, Manning Sanders is not going to play this week. But I think Cole Beasley is the guy to go if you're in a PPR. If you're in a half-point PPR league, I think Gabe Davis is probably the best way to go in standard because he got a chance to get you the touchdown, although you're kind of worried about how much volume he's going to save. Yeah, he's been trending in the right direction anyway. He was already kind of eating into Emmanuel Sanders. He had become more of their big play threat that they really hadn't had this season because Stephon Diggs wasn't taking the top off like he was a year ago. And he's already kind of worked into that, and now you figure he's going to take full on the at least the volume that Emmanuel Sanders was seeing, plus what he's been doing over the past couple of weeks. So I do, I do think Gabriel Davis, while he's outside my top 36, is a boom or bust wide receiver for option depending upon what you have available to you. But the volume of this passing game overall boosts a guy's floor like that, where he's going to probably see six, seven plus targets. And you'll take your chances with a guy who can make a big play like that. If he's going to see that kind of a volume. So I do think he's an interesting guy, but a boom or bust option. Nonetheless, I do agree. Cole Beasley he also just falls just outside my top 36. Carolina has still managed to stay tough against slot receivers <laughs> over the past few weeks, even though their defense has been spiraling down. Slot receivers still have not scored that many points on them. I still think Dawson Knox takes away quite a bit from Cole Beasley overall, but I do think they can be options. The other question will be, can you play a running back? I know Buffalo's talked about this week. They have to at least try to run the football. We've heard that before. The only one you can even consider is Devin Singletary because, one, you don't know if Zach Moss is ever going to even be active. And, two, Matt Breida either keeps screwing up the player fumbling when he is active over Zach Moss. So Devin Singletary does come into my RB35, but it's a desperation RB35. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching this backfield ever the rest of the season. To me, this is the Houston backfield. You, you have no trust, nobody. And I don't, I don't care if the rhetoric comes out about – Running the ball. We saw this team have its first running attempt in the first half off a fake punt. That's when the first time the running back touched the ball <laughs> last week. So, I mean, yeah. Until they change the offensive coordinators, don't ever button the Buffalo running backs right now. I agree with you there. Let's talk about gambling on this game. So, we got minus 10, minus 10 and a half, excuse me, minus 10 and a half for the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo against Carolina. The overrunner set at 44 and a half. So, Chris, does Buffalo pretty much blow out and handle the Carolina Panthers this week at home? I think they should, but I don't think they will. And I think this game is going to be an ugly game. Um, so, I don't like this game in betting necessarily. I think Buffalo should win, but I don't want to – I wouldn't bet on them necessarily beating down Carolina the way point spread kind of implements <clears throat> they will. I think this game's going to be a low-scoring game overall. Is a game I'd probably try to avoid. I want to see what the weather's going to be like in this game. If it's going to be decent weather in Buffalo, I will take this bet. I will take Buffalo to cover this. It's a better team. And while the Bills have had a tough trek, they played the Patriots and the Bucks the past couple of weeks. 
the Panthers are just spiraling against bad teams. So it doesn't really matter anymore. I do think the Buffalo Bills take care of business and cover at the minus 10 and a half, as long as the weather's okay. If it's crazy cold, crazy bad, then no, because those games are just not very conducive. For it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be it's pretty decent weather. This weekend blowouts. And I, I do think it's supposed to be pretty decent weather, but that's just the one thing I would check. Outside of that, I am definitely going with Buffalo covering this game, and I'm calling it a lock of mine of the week. Let's move on to the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. We can make the Jets real quick. With no Corey Davis... And no Elijah Moore. You have Braxton Berrios and Jameson Crowder splitting the targets that you care not about because they're only five yards from the line of scrimmage anyway. Michael Carter is the only fantasy football relevant player. He is activated off the IR. They do expect him to return. Robert Salah has already said he's going to be out there. Now, here's what's interesting about that, though. Tevin Coleman's also going to be back. Ty Johnson's there. I don't think Michael Carter, his first week back, is going to go back to the workload we saw earlier before he got injured, which is he pretty much was he was starting to get everything because, again, he's the only offensive player. Having said that, he's the only offensive playmaker. So I do think by the time this game wears on, I think he'll get more and more touches as they're more comfortable with him being healthy and they need plays to happen, especially in the passing game. He's my RB29 on the week. I do think you can play him as a mid-level flex a strong floor flex who has an opportunity to score a touchdown outside of not playing anybody else in the jets, but where's your confidence level on a Michael Carter, his first week back in your playoffs. Yeah. I can't argue with the, the questions about, well, you know, the jets go full stupid again and try to rotate three or four backs, with Michael Carter, or they remember that this guy was clearly the best running back they have. And their only playmaker, as you kind of pointed out, they have left in this offense. And if you want to salvage this offense, is Zach Wilson's confidence at all? You need to utilize the one guy you have in that backfield that can make plays. Michael Carter, I think that he's going to a flex option. I do think there can be you might be able to look for some better options. Um, because I don't think you're guaranteed necessarily get what you want out of him. But I think situation right now was on waivers and what guys kind of have. That Michael Carter probably is probably one of your better guys that you can put in your lineup as your flex right now. I just want to throw out. Good. If you are in a PPR league, unfortunately. You do have to consider playing Barrios because the five catches are 55 yards seems to be here to stay. And, and I think that's, <laughs> I mean, that's why also why I hate PPR and I, but this, I mean, that's why we'll have to put that out there. I, I hate what I'm seeing. I can't believe the Jets refuse to use Denzel Mim no matter what, but they want to have Barrios out there come hell or high water. And that seems not to be going away. Yeah. I can't disagree with that. I just, man, I, I wonder if Zach Wilson even completes, 12 passes this week against the Miami Dolphins where they've been playing defense lately. But let's talk about the Dolphins. And first and foremost, we got to talk about the fact that they, unlike the Jets, were getting all the running backs back. The Dolphins might not have any running backs. Miles Gaskins on COVID-19, so we'll see. Now, he was put on there Saturday, so he has probably a better chance than most to make his way back. And vaccinated as well, so he just had to do yeah. 24-hour testing. Thing. So he's got a better shot to come back. It's still a possibility if he's out there, you're playing him as a mid-level RB, too. Miles Gaskin would definitely be in my lineup if he's going to be able to come back from his COVID-19 injury. But we have to wait to see if he will be activated. Let's say he can't. We have Stefan Ahmed, who's also on COVID-19, so he might be out. Malcolm Brown is expected to make his return, although I don't know how confident they are that Malcolm Brown is really ready to go this week, his first week back, or at least not in a heavy workload set. Why? Because they're working out guys like Lamar Miller. They worked out Jared Dokes, who they cut earlier in the season. Uh, so they're trying to find other options to be able to pivot to. Ultimately, what I think it means is this. If Gaskin's out and Savannah Ahmed is out, 
then the Dolphins are going to do even more of what the Dolphins already do, which is throw in every single situation anyway. And this goes back to why I like to attack Lavoa so much. He comes into my QB 14. It's the matchup and the fact that even in a game in which they could easily control for four quarters, I know Tua is going to throw the ball somewhere between 35, 40 times minimum in this matchup. And I especially like him with a little bit of an extra upside he doesn't normally have because he's got Devontae Parker back to be more of the big play threat. And you have him and Waddle and Mike Gusecki, all of which I'm probably playing this week. Uh, Devontae Parker is my wide receiver, 27. Jalen Waddle is my wide receiver, 14. And Mike Gusecki comes in at my tight end, 9. So he's a top 10 option for me as well. Again, going with the volume and the matchup here. What are you seeing with the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I want to get as excited as you are when I want to pop all the Dolphin playmakers. And, you know, because you're playing the Jets, you're excited. You're going to get all kinds of points. I just have a little bit of reluctance. The Dolphins don't seem like a, a juggernaut offensively, and their coaching staff has been horrendous offensively. Play calling. I hope to see Tua have a lot of volume. I would be surprised if they try to play an ugly style of football just to kind of keep the game and dominate, because I think they were going to easily beat the Jets. That part, I think, defensively will be able to kind of control the game for them. And I wouldn't, I wonder if that could be like a 20 to 9 game in a sense as a result, and you don't see all these guys get the eat. The guys I trust in the passing game mostly are going to be, I think Jalen Waddle is the number one guy you trust the most for the Dolphins and offensively. You realize no matter who they play, what they're going against, he's usually the guy. The best thing that you have going for you this week is against the Jets. He can take one of those six-yard, seven-yard catches and turn it into a big play um, since they're such a poor tackling team. His speed might really bother them. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. I think you might look at Parker as an option possibly because I think you're going to see red zone opportunities as well. Gusecki is the guy kind of in between where it looks like a good matchup on paper, but usually if those two guys eat, Gusecki's usually a forgotten guy. So there's usually one of those guys who guys kind of misses out when they when all of the, the offense kind of is clicking, quote unquote. This offense isn't an offensive really scores, you know, high number numerous amounts of touchdowns or points. They seem to settle for field goals. They get a lot of yardage um, in the passing game through the volume that you kind of talked about with Tua. But there's a lot of dink and dunk stuff, so it's kind of interesting to see who can kind of, you know, make that happen for them. And then the running back situation, as you talked about, I think Gaskin's definitely the obvious play if he's healthy. I think more than likely he probably will be. If he's out, the guy that you might want to throw in there, and you talked about, you know, depending on the injury situation, I think Malcolm Brown might be a, a possible option because more than likely it's just he can fall into the end zone for a touchdown. You wouldn't expect much more than that, but you can expect he probably has an opportunity to get the ball in the one yard line a couple of times versus that awful Jets defense and a you know, turnover machine offense 
we always need to consider desperate emergency options just in case, especially in a week like this. So I don't disagree with you on that if it winds up being the case, but I am much higher on the overall volume of the Dolphin pass catchers than you are. But how about betting this game? Where are you at on that? Because right now it's minus 10 in favor of the Dolphins. The over-under set at 42. Give me the Dolphins to cover at minus 10 at, in Miami all day, every day, because I would be shocked if the Jets scored more than 7 or 10 points in this game entirely against this Dolphins defense right now. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with you. I have a little reluctance because it also feels like this, this Dolphin team reminds me so much of Tennessee in so many ways. Um, but I do think that it should cover. They should be able to beat this Jets team. They should be able to go over. So I think that's a safe bet. You can make that bet. It's a little reluctance. <laughs> <laughs> like you just scream Tennessee to me. I can't disagree, but they have had better weapons and more passing volume. So that's where it's been a little bit different. But let's dive into the Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles game. We'll start off on the Philadelphia side because there's a lot of questions about, okay, is Jalen Hurts going to come back? Is he going to play? Now, they did confirm today that it's a high ankle sprain he's dealing with. We know most of the time high ankle sprains take about four to six weeks to really heal with quarterbacks. They can come back maybe in a little bit of less time because they don't necessarily need to re- run on that every play, although Jalen Hurts kind of pushes that envelope a bit. He's had two weeks to recover. He's splitting first-team reps with Gardner Minshew. So they're trying to make sure that Minshew's ready to go if Jalen Hurts cannot go. But at least Hurts is practicing on a Wednesday, so he's trending in that direction. If Hurts is active, he is my QB6. I am not going to be concerned about him, his fantasy value against Washington of all teams, because this is going to be the one team he could probably sit back and throw on if he actually wanted to. And Hurts is still Hurts. If he's out there playing, he's still going to be mobile. He's still going to run around. I still think he gives you a 40-yard floor to go with your fantasy football production here against Washington. So you're still playing him as a QB1 if he's good to go. On the flip side of that, if he's out, I think Gardner Minshew is going to be a very good streaming option to be able to pivot to, too. So just kind of keep that in mind. You want to play quarterbacks against Washington. I'm not changing on that. Do you have any concerns? No, I totally agree with you. I think if, if, if Hertz is going to be out there playing, it's obvious the Eagles realize his best advantage of him being out there is he can run the ball and he's, he's effective. He's not a pocket quarterback. We all agree with that. So I think they're going to they're going to still use his legs. So I would be worried about if he plays. I, I think he's definitely the starter. And then to your point, I think Minshew is definitely that option. He showed you that last time he played. I think he's the upgrade to the rest of the pass catchers offense he does. Let's talk about the two main pass catchers first before we get into the other complicated scenario with the Philadelphia Eagles. So Devonta Smith... He's my wide receiver 21. He's a low-end wide receiver two, and I think you can play this week. And I'm very high on Dallas Goddard as my tight end five. Again, we Goddard, yes, he's been a little bit hit or miss, especially when Hurts is the quarterback, but he still sees more volume than your typical tight end. This is a great matchup for tight ends. I think you're playing Goddard no matter what with confidence. Devonta Smith's interesting to me. So his, his usage, his volume is very hit or miss. And when he only gets six targets with an inefficient quarterback in Jalen Hurts, he's got to be able to hit in order for his fantasy value to count, no matter what the matchup is. It kind of doesn't matter what the matchup is for Devonta Smith. But with Quez Watkins being out with COVID-19 and everybody now finally agreeing that Jalen Rager sucks, I do think there's going to be some target consolidation towards Devonta Smith where he gets over that six mark in this game. So do you have any any questions or any reluctancy when it comes to Monta Smith, or are you going to play him as a solid low-end wide receiver too, like me? I'm going to play him. I'm excited about Devonta Smith's opportunity. I talked about the Watkins, you know, being out. 
I think that the one thing that I, I'm really excited, no matter who the quarterback is going to be, is Devonta Smith on this offense and the passing attack. I think he's going to, he's definitely got you winning your lineup this week. Agreed with all that. Okay, so let's get into the conversation about the Philadelphia Eagles. It gets real complicated, which is, of course, the running back situation. Miles Sanders is back. He practiced in limited capacity. Jordan Howard, he's back. He practiced in limited capacity. Boston Scott's back. Kenneth Gainwell is still there. We haven't had a scenario where all four of these running backs were active at the same time, which is what makes this interesting to me. Now, obviously, we would expect Miles Sanders would lead the way, and he is my RB25. I do think you can play him as a high-end RB3. But what do you think the rotation is going to divvy out to be with everybody active? I think predominantly you're going to see Sanders and Howard. We did have a brief little glimpse of this earlier in the season when they were when Howard started coming, you know, was healthy. Sanders came back, and you saw Boston Scott kind of take that seat on the bench and have an occasional opportunity in the past situations. Kenneth Gainwell just was banished from you know existence basically. I think you're going to see one of those two guys kind of maintain a little bit of usage in the passing attack. But I think you're going to see primarily between Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders moving forward in that backfield. All right. I, I totally agree with you, by the way. So let's flip over to the Washington side, and this won't take long. So Terry McLaurin, he's dealing with a concussion issue. Remember the pattern. The pattern is if you practice at least in a limited capacity on a Thursday, you have a decent chance to clear a concussion protocol. So we'll keep you guys up to date on social media tomorrow. He wasn't able to practice at all today, he was, but he was out there on the side working with trainers. So sometimes if that, that can be an indication that they might be able to do something on the practice field on a Thursday. So that's what we're looking for there. If he plays though, how much confidence do you have in a Terry McLaurin? I got him at wide receiver 25, assuming he plays, but we also have to take into consideration that Darius Slay might be shadowing him. And McLaurin himself has really only been a wide receiver three over the past six weeks. So will you play him with confidence in your fantasy football playoffs in the first round? I mean, I don't know how you can have confidence in, in him right now as a receiver, but I do think you still try to play Terry McLaurin despite the matchup. I know Darius Slay's a very good corner. He's not in the shutdown corner that he used to be. And Terry McLaurin's a, bat, a tough matchup for him. He's the kind of guy who can get in out of his breaks. You see that when Washington wants to get him the ball, they can usually. I know he kind of struggles with late. I think I attribute that more to injuries and some of the game flow, how games kind of materialize. You saw Gibson have a huge jump in usage. They really were trying to just run the ball predominantly. It wasn't until the Dallas game where they really couldn't do that. That you try to see the you know, rely more on the passing attack. So I think Terry McLaurin is a guy you still put on your lineup. He's still the best playmaker they have. And for me, other than Gibson, I really don't see anybody else you can even consider playing in this lineup. So they're going to have to move the ball some way, somehow. Terry McLaurin to me is the opportunity to do that. And that's why you put him in your lineup. It's kind of similar to DK Metcalf, where it's like, do you trust it? You feel confident about it? Probably not. But are you still going to have to play it? Do you have a better option than that? Also, probably not. Uh, so it kind of falls into that category of it. That's why Terry McLaurin comes in my wide receiver 25. Antonio Gibson, it's not a great matchup for him. And J.D. McKissick might be back. But he's getting so much of the volume, I don't care. I know he had a bad week week last week. He's my RB15. I think you're playing him with confidence knowing that he's getting a lot of volume right now. And that's pretty much all you need to have confidence in playing a guy at least as an RB2. And he does have the opportunity to score as well. I think that's the key to the thing that you're saying is the RB2 thing. I don't think, I think that those two weeks where you got kind of RB1 production aren't going to happen for you, but you're going to still have to play Gibson because he's probably going to be your RB2 in your lineup. All right, let's bet this game. Let's bet this game. I like I like the Eagles in this game, by the way. I like I like them a lot. I think they're going to cover. Uh, trying to pull up the exact line here. This line has changed two times today, actually. It started off at six, went to six and a half. Now it's at seven. 
for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm still taking the Eagles to cover at minus seven. They're a better team right now. They're a better team. Washington, their offense, even if Terry McLaurin's out there, is obsolete. Yes, their defense has been miraculously playing a little bit better as of late, but the Eagles have found their identity, and they're coming off a bye week on top of it. I think their defense is going to be able to take care of business. I got the Eagles covering at minus seven. The over-under is at 44. Where are you at? Yeah, I like the Eagles, but I don't like to like that point spread. I think that Vegas has got you pretty good there. I think the Washington can keep it close. I don't think they're ever going to really threat to win this game necessarily, but I think they can keep it closer than that. And so, therefore, I wouldn't bet on that. And I go the under on this game. I think this game's going to be lower scoring. Oh, lower than 44. I don't disagree with you on that point, but I do think the Eagles cover nonetheless. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals, the Detroit Lions. So, we got the news today. DeAndre Hopkins, he's done for the rest of the season. So, go ahead and drop him. The only way he'll be back will be for the NFL playoffs, which matters not for your fantasy football playoffs. So, you can comfortably drop DeAndre Hopkins. What does that mean for the rest of the Cardinals wide receivers? Well, we've seen this already. We've gotten a taste of this. We know what to kind of expect. Antoine, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Antoine Wesley will come out on the outside opposite of A.J. Green. Christian Kirk, who of all the wide receivers, is the wide receiver I'm going to trust the most out of the Arizona Cardinals, will get to man the slot and play his role. He does have some upside, especially this week against Detroit. Kyler Murray being back and playing better, looking healthy, helps as well. So of all the wide receivers, I'm going to play Christian Kirk. He'll probably always be that mid-level boom or bust wide receiver three for me. So if you're just searching around, you need options. He's a guy I think you can go to, but I would hope you have a better option. That would maybe a higher floor, especially for fantasy football playoffs in general. But Chris, what do you see in this wide receiver group? Anybody you trust or want to go after? I mean, I think the safest guys you kind of point out is Christian Kirk, which isn't super safe. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever can recall a team that scores 30 points the way that, that Arizona does and have a passing defense. You weapon. could never trust any of the receivers to play. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of amazing that you look at this season, but because of how guys are kind of utilized, I think Christian Kirk's probably the only guy that you can kind of see there's opportunity for him to have some boom where you can actually get down the field and have some big plays. And we have some volume once in a while as well. Everybody else seems to be so sporadic. I know A.J. Green had a nice game versus the Rams, but you don't forget Jalen Ramsey didn't play that game. A.J. Green was basically seen at the fourth corner on the, and on the depth chart for the Rams last week. So I think that's also part of the matchup. Kyler Murray hasn't been playing so well, very well since he came back from his injury, especially in the passing attack. So right now, I think other than Christian Kirk, you want to find somebody else. Maybe maybe you can rely on, like, I'm sure we're probably talking about him, like Zach Ertz, who maybe more other trustable guy maybe you can put in your lineup, but even he's been all over the place. But I think this really changes nothing because you've, you've seen DeAndre Hopkins been out of this lineup or hasn't really been utilized for most of the season. And still to this, you know, we're here, we are in the playoffs. And we still have no idea who Arizona's true number two receiver is. Well, I was going to, I'm more confident than you are in Zach Ertz. Cause I was going to say the one pass catcher who I actually do trust is Zach Ertz because when DeAndre Hopkins has been missing, he's consistently been a top 10 tight end. He comes on my number eight tight end this week against Detroit without Hopkins. He might even move up a little bit because that just came out today. I did the rankings, you know, early last or late last night, early this morning before we got the official news about Hopkins. So he might even move up to somewhere in my top six, but Zach Ertz, I do trust you are playing him without a doubt. For me, Kyler Murray, by the way, is my QB one overall this week against Detroit. Whether he does it through the air, through his legs, whatever the case may be, he actually has the best elite ceiling on top of the matchup this particular week out of all the elite quarterbacks. Love him. Uh, The running back is where we need to have our next conversation. So James Conner, day-to-day with an ankle issue. Remember, he got hurt at the very end 
of that game Monday night. We still haven't gotten word if it's actually an ankle sprain or anything like that, but they're saying day-to-day. He didn't practice today. Not that we could take a lot out of a Wednesday practice coming off of a Monday game. So Thursday, Friday would be more indicative of where James Connors at in particular. For a moment, let's pretend he's going to play. Even with Chase Edmonds on his way back, I still have James Conner as a top 10 running back this week because the man just scores touchdowns regardless. And now you get to play Detroit, the one team he might actually be, you know, efficient against on the ground too to go along with it. So you're playing James Conner as a low end RB1. And I have Chase Edmonds as my RB30. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It's a little tricky to be able to rank Edmonds if Connor's playing, because if Connor's playing... One, I think Edmonds is still going to maintain his role as the main pass-catching back. But because connor has been so good, I don't know if he comes back and goes back to getting more of the carries than Connor was. Remember, this was a 55-45 split in carries in favor of Chase Edmonds earlier on the season. I don't know if that really remains the same. I think it might be more 60-40 in favor of James Connor because he's been so good. And I don't think they're going to take that role. They're definitely not going to take the touchdown role away from him, but I don't know if they're going to take the volume away from him. So what are you seeing if they're both on the field? They're both on the field. I think it's really going to be interesting. I have more of the impression that Kingsbury would prefer to not have Connor be out there this week. I think they want rather – I think this team's looking at the long-term situation and realizes they hold the first seat basically in their hand right now. They're playing Detroit, so that makes them really feel that they can win this game. They're sitting pretty. And you don't really want to – you really want to risk James Connor. So whether he's – I'd be surprised if he's active. Now, if he is active – I do think that you have the touchdown potential that you're talking about. He's still going to be a flex, but I think the preference is still going to be to kind of prepare him, arrest him, keep him healthy for the playoffs. So I don't see him kind of be coming back and being utilized a lot this week. I think long-term what you're kind of talking about as we move forward, as games get closer, some of these you know games are going to be more interesting that Arizona has to kind of play to win. Will Connor be out there more often than Edmonds? But this week, I think they can kind of get cute and they can kind of utilize different guys. They can kind of get touches of Ronald Moore and sweeps. They can kind of use Chase Edmonds. They can fight even use Eno Benjamin here or there and be able to attack the team passing-wise enough. But they don't really don't need Connor to kind of rely on. So I think Connor is going to be a guy that I wouldn't be super excited to have if he is in your lineup, that he's not going to give you more than maybe a flex option. Well, I will say this. If Connor isn't active, Chase Edmonds is going to be a very solid RB2 for me because I do think he would get a ton of volume his first week back and be the main lead running back in both the passing and uh, uh, rushing game there. So I would play Chase Edmonds with confidence if there is no Connor for that standpoint. Remember, they've taken their time with Edmonds. He should be pretty healthy his first week back. But I think with Connor out there, there's not as much of a reason to push it. So we'll have to see how that's going to shake out later in the week. On the Detroit side, they got their own injury issues. DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, 
Dan Campbell blowing more smoke up our butts throughout the week. Hopeful he'll be back, blah, blah, blah. Both Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift did not practice today. Now, yes, they still have a Thursday, Friday practice to get through. But Hawkinson somebody who got downgraded last week. So for him not to be practicing at the beginning of this week is not a good sign. DeAndre Swift, there's still that question out there of why bother with DeAndre Joe Swift. Nixon. What's that? Is it Joe Nixon last year? I think it's going to be this repeat situation. It, it, it very well could be. You are, you are in the scenario where it's why bother? Because you're playing for the future right now at this point. You know DeAndre Swift's your best offensive weapon. The only reason why I think there's even still a chance that Swift could play is just because of the nature that is Dan Campbell. Uh, that, I think that's the only reason why he even has a chance to play because Campbell has that old man mentality where he's just like, if you're healthy and we can, we can be competitive, we're going to we're gonna try to be no matter what, even if it doesn't make sense for the future. Uh, so that, that's the only reason why I think he even has a chance to play. But again, these guys don't get out to practice. They're not going to. Everyone's trying to figure out, do we pick up Craig Reynolds? Do you pick up uh, Godwin, Igwe Buque? Uh, it's all for not. Look, yeah, I know he hasn't been activated off the COVID list yet, but if Jamal Williams is activated, he goes back to being the lead back. Yeah, I mean, I think Jamal Williams has the most clear cut if he was activated. I also think people are reading way too much into last week's usage. Craig Reynolds is not an ad. He didn't jump over everybody in the depth chart all of a sudden. Um, I think what you have to kind of keep in mind what they talked about after the game is Jamar Jefferson had come off an ankle injury, did not practice the entire week going into that game, and he probably would have been the guy, but because he didn't do any of those things and he still has some questionable, you know, whether he's completely healthy, they didn't go to him in each. So that's why Reynolds kind of had the playing time that he did. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to call him I win. I win came and played, and I think he showed you that he does not belong out in the field right now. I think they're just smart. They'll get him out of the line. He had two fumbles. He wasn't really effective when he did have the ball. Uh, I think that's not somebody you want to target, especially like I said, the fumbles. Dan Campbell is a guy you kind of have the old school mentality. I think is looking to try to win games and is not going to seem to tolerate guys who aren't going to be a part of that, particularly when you're a nobody like I win. Um, so I think that you look at this, this backfield. Jamal Williams is probably the only guy you can feel confident if he's out there. Otherwise, I think you should avoid this backfield. Maybe keep your eye on Jefferson because I think the people write him off way too quickly. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on all those points there. Uh, if Hawkinson doesn't play, though, the guy I do have a lot of interest in playing, especially in full point VPR, but in half point as well, is Amon Ross St. Brown. So he finally put together back-to-back good weeks. Chris, we talked about this last week. Like, we, we like the usage. We like where the, where the trend was going, but we need to see it back-to-back weeks because we had saw flashes from Brown and then he kind of disappears from the offense. That wasn't the case this time around. The common denominator being TJ Hawkinson out. St. Brown got to dominate the middle part of the field. And then Jared Goff was going to him over and over and over again. There's a pretty they used good him out of the backfield. I think that was the big thing. Well, they yeah, they used them the all over. Catching back. And there's a pretty good chance they're going to have to come back from behind against Arizona at some point this game, maybe even concluding the first half. I, I'm just going out on a limb here. Uh, so I think St. Brown, there's no Hawkinson. The volume that he could be seeing for the third week in a row makes him a very strong wide receiver three play this week. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, especially in PPR leagues, standard leagues, I'm a little bit reluctant because it's still, you still questions because Detroit score points. But you do like the floor that this guy's been showing you. He's going to be that guy's going to get you seven, eight catches, you know, 60 to 70, 80 yards. So you're just hoping you get the upside touchdown at some point. But other than that, I think he's definitely one of the safer plays you can have in your lineup. I think Josh Reynolds has been somebody you can continue to kind of monitor. You like what you see eye test wise. He looks the most explosive receiver out there. So I thought this team's going to come back and score some points. This isn't going to be a game where Detroit gets to run the ball a lot, I don't think. So I think, yeah, you look at those pass catchers, 
Um, particularly with Hawkinson's out, I think either one of those guys could be somebody you can put in your lineup with some confidence this week. All right, this game, the Arizona Cardinals are favored on the road by minus 13 points. The over-under is in particularly high. It's at 47 and a half. I'm a little bit surprised about how high that over-under is, frankly, especially considering Detroit has not been able to score themselves. And yet Arizona scores, but they don't necessarily put up 40. So I think you are going to have to get Two a fast-paced teams, though. Are two fast-paced teams, which is kind of why I think this is going to be an interesting game, especially DFS-wise from a fantasy standpoint. I think your contrarian play is going to be somewhere buried in this game. Can't necessarily say where, but I think it's going to be buried somewhere in this game. <laughs> but I'll say this. Arizona Cardinals at minus 13. It's a big line. I usually don't like big lines. I'm going to take this big line. I want to take the Cardinals to cover in this one. If, especially if, if DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson are both out again for Detroit, I just don't know how they're able to score within the vicinity of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I'm... Um... You know what? I'm the most cautious of the two of us when it comes to the big lines, and I'm definitely still on Arizona. I think unless Kyler Murray just completely plays horrible this week, looks like Russell Wilson out there again, I think there's no way Arizona can't just go out there and sleepwalk to 30, 40 points. So I think this is a, a great matchup for Arizona, and I think they're going to dominate this game. All right, here's what I want to do. I'll take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to wrap up the early slate window of Week 15 matchup previews, and then we got the mailbag segment for you guys. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. It's holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. And you can always check us out on your YouTube. Please subscribe to us there. Find us after the show on your favorite pod streaming app and download the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV and Android devices. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhaber. We're going over the early window of Week 15 matchup previews. We start off the Thursday night game. We're working our way all the way through the Saturday games, the 1 o'clock Sunday games. So let's wrap that thing up, and then we can talk about the mailbag segment here for MD Nation as we get into the fantasy playoffs, get on our way to an MD Nation championship. All right, so we got the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants. Everyone talking about the, quote-unquote, Jerry Jones, Dak slump 
I do want to point out from a fantasy standpoint, it wasn't pretty to watch, but from a fantasy standpoint, it was just two weeks ago, this guy had 375 yards and two touchdowns. I'm just saying. But this is the New York Giants. Maybe Tony Pollard plays. Maybe he doesn't. He wasn't able to practice today. We know Zeke's banged up. And if everybody in the organization is taking note that Dak is in a slump and he needs to break out of their slump in order for them to be the best version of themselves they need to be, who better to get right against than the New York Giants who can't put up any offensive points anyway and have a crappy defense? That's my thinking on this one. Dak Prescott's my QB8. I'm playing him with confidence given the circumstances and the matchup in this week. Chris, do you have any more reservations like a lot of other people seem to do this week? My only reservation was that Tyron Smith's not playing. And for some reason, it just seems to be a super problem for Dak Prescott and his Cowboys offense when he does not play, even if it's not facing a dominant defensive line or anything like that. But having said that, I agree with you. I think Dak Prescott has every reason to really shake it back on track. And I think it's really hard to find many guys that you can play over. I had some people talk, you know, on Belly Up Fantasy Live on Tuesday nights at 8.30 to um, 10 o'clock. We were kind of discussing the Dak Prescott, you know, conundrum. If uh, Adam has him with one of his fantasy quarterbacks and was looking at Justin Fields, for example, would you play Justin Fields over Dak Prescott this week? No. And I just feel like I could not do that. I think Dak Prescott has got too many too many weapons on his offense. You saw a defense that basically carried the game last week. It wasn't so much that Dallas really had to do a lot offensively. I kind of keep that more in mind and think there should be a better days ahead in a sense. Dak Prescott should be probably in your lineup this week. He should be. So should Zeke. I know it's been brutal with Zeke. But again, he's still getting a good enough amount of the volume. Last week, they were up. Now, they almost gave the game away, of course, but they were up by so much earlier on that game. That's why you saw Corey Clement kind of just come in there, and he played for a good amount of that third quarter. But when the game got close again, they went back to Zeke. So it was more of they were just trying to save him because they didn't need to use him, more so than it was like Zeke got re-injured in that game. There was some speculation about that he have a setback. No, that was not the case for him. I think you're playing Zeke. Again, we're looking for running backs with volume. Very few getting more volume than him. Tony Pollard will be inside my top 36 if he does play. But I don't see a reason why you got to bring him back. You need him for the playoffs, especially if Zeke's not able to get right. You're going to need his explosive ability. You don't really need him to play against the Giants. He's dealing with a plantar fasciitis injury. That's very painful, especially for a running back. I don't see why they bring him back. If they do, he's in my top 34, but he's a boomer bust option like he always is. I wouldn't have any confidence of playing him my first round of playoffs. What do you make of this backfield this week? Yeah, I think Zeke's the guy you still have to play. I know he's been maddening to have in your lineups week in, week out, but you're basically, when you have a running back in this offense, it's so explosive and has so many playmakers. You're just basically, you got to play this guy who can get you a touchdown and basically fall into him, you know, fall into maybe even multiple touchdowns for you. So you got to play Zeke. You're a little bit encouraged, I guess, that he doesn't look like he's running in quicksand. It doesn't look like he's running in mud now. So it's looked a little bit more explosive, I guess. <laughs> um, we're getting there. But um, the Tony Pollard thing, I think it's a guy I avoid playing this week. You're, you got to have concerns about, you know, how much would they even utilize him if they he is active. He might be someone they can kind of sprinkle in here or there. But why risk him as you're kind of pointing it out? Particularly if they get up big in this game, there'd be no reason not to play or bring in the Corey Clement to kind of just run the clock out. And I think that you're going to try to see Dak Prescott kind of establish himself early in this game. I think this is that Jerry Jones comment is going to be used as kind of a fuel. I think Kellen Moore is going to try to get Dak Prescott on early. I think they're going to try to attack this team with the passing game and then kind of rely on the running game. So I think Zach, Zeke's the guy you can play. Tony Pod's not a guy I would want to have in my lineup, though. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I agree with you. And to go along with my theory that they're going to try to get Dak right this week, I think you can play every single Dallas wide receiver if you need to. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, he's my number six receiver on the week. He's a mid-level wide receiver one. Obviously, Amari Cooper, he's my wide receiver 23, a low in wide receiver two, but he has upside in this match against the Giants. But I also think you could play Michael Gallup. He's my wide receiver 28. He's a mid-level wide receiver three. His volume and playing time has been right there neck and neck with um, with Amari Cooper, with C.D. Lamb, and we know he has explosive ability as well. So we know we're playing Cooper, we know we're playing Lamb. Chris, do you have confidence playing Michael Gallup as a wide receiver three with some upside? I think it's your – I don't know how much confidence I have, but I have some – if you want upside, he's not a, guy to, a bad guy to have in your lineup this week. Uh, you saw what Jalen Guyton was able to kind of do versus this defense last week. You can get the big play versus them. So Gallup absolutely is one of the big play receivers that Dallas has. The only thing I think you might be a little bit concerned by is do they have, once they kind of get up, how much volume will there consistently be? Will Michael Gallup be a guy they kind of keep feeding? Or while the C.D. Lamb and Cooper seem to be guys, because of their roles, particularly being interchangeable in the slot, get those easy, when they're, you know, third and sixes, third and sevens, they get the kind of the easy first down catches when they're up versus Michael Gallup kind of gets forgotten about as the game kind of progresses. So my only concern that he might have a, a bit more of a floor, but, then, but the upside's definitely there. The only guy I'm forgetting about is Dalton Schultz. Uh, we saw it last week with all these three receivers playing and healthy. This is what I was worried about before when everybody was going Schultz crazy over the tight end position while I was telling you guys to sell him high earlier on in the season. He's going to get left out of this offense with those three guys on the field and playing. That's who they want to go to with. Dalton Schultz falls outside of my streaming territory at the tight end position. I'm not interested. What about you? I mean, I don't think he can be – I think he's still one of those guys we talk about and when you get past the top 12, top 13, they're all kind of crapshoots. I think he's another crapshoot you're going to have out there. Um, the bat, the matchup on paper is not bad. The Giants have not been good against safeties. And it seems that Dallas kind of just picks who's going to kind of go off here or there randomly. So you never really kind of know if it's going to be the receivers, it's going to be the tight end, just kind of who's open, who gets the ball. The key for all these guys, I think, is that Dak Prescott. If he's on, almost all these guys could probably could have decent game, even – you know, the tight end position. But if that Prescott continues to kind of miss easy throws that he's been missing, it's going to be, you know, pain for some of your owners out there. You make it definitely Dalton Schultz is a guy who might suffer the most for that. The Giants suck. Talk about a team that needs to clear out organization wise, coach, the GM to everything. They suck. In the meantime, though, we're still stuck trying to figure out there's fantasy value to be had. And to be honest with you, outside of Saquon Barkley, based on his volume and nothing else, I don't think there is. Saquon comes into my RB19 this week, so he's still an RB2. Again, it goes down to the volume. They're always coming back from behind, so there's going to be targets to be had, and he's going to get most of the carries, and he might have a chance to score a garbage time touchdown like he did last week. Uh, and that's what Saquon Barkley is, and that's why you have him as an RB2. You are playing him in your lineup. Outside of that, I don't want to touch anything on the Giants whatsoever. Yeah, I 100% agree. Maybe if you want to get cute, maybe you put Booker because he seems to be getting more and more usage with 
with Barkley, the Chiefs seem to kind of be the only thing that can do anything offensively for this team. But everybody else has just been awful. Shepard might be a play because you expect him to kind of get back on track. But with this tart discussion about it's going to be Mike Lennon or Jake Fromm, I think that you're really not excited about any pass catchers in this offense. No, and even Sterling Shepard, I don't think he's going to get back on track. We, we've seen him now last couple times without Kadarius Toney, and it, it's mad or not. And if Daniel Jones was in there, it would be a different story because he's the one who has the connection with Shepard with that slot receiver in general for the New York Giants. But Mike Lennon out there, he just throws it to, well, really no one, but he spreads it out to nobody. And then Jake Fromm, if he wants to be in the game, I might actually like Saquon Barkley or even Devontae Booker, as you mentioned, a little bit more because I think it's just going to be checked down city and that's going to be about it. So, <laughs> like, that's I, I don't want to touch any of these wide receivers. Tony, by the way, probably not going to play uh, this week. And also, Kenny Galladay is dealing with the injury like he always is, too. Well, let's talk about betting this game with the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants here on this matchup. The Cowboys favored minus 10 and a half on the road. The over-under set at 44 and a half in this game. Give me Dallas as a lock of the week. And give me the over, because I think they dropped 35 points by themselves in this game. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say, yes, go Dallas on the double, another double-digit thing. I think it's we're getting set up by Vegas right now, but it looks good. I mean, I think that you look at Dallas, and they're just about the superior team. They're, I think Giants right now are playing on fumes. Yeah, playing on beyond fumes, especially if you throw Drake Fromm into that mix. Oof, what a nightmare that would wind up being. All right, let's talk about two teams. Just real quick on that note, if they do play a Jake Fromm, I think that the smartest thing for this franchise to do would be sit Saquon Barkley down. Why waste this guy and basically risk him getting injured at the end of the season for who, for what? And I think that's really stupid. He he obviously doesn't look look like he's very healthy out there. Why would you continue to put this guy out there in harm's way for, for a season that's over? It's the same conversation we had about DeAndre Swift. It wouldn't make any sense other than you have two coaches who are old school mentality and Joe Judge's case, coaching for his job, so he has a little more on the line where he's trying to be competitive in these games. But I agree with you. Big picture-wise, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that you would keep throwing him out there. Let's go all two teams that, on paper, it'll probably be a close matchup. It'll probably be a competitive game, but it might be very, very boring to watch. That's Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into this game. All right, so the Titans... Uh, I don't want to have to play anything if I can help it. I do expect Julio Jones to play more than he did last week. They were working him back. He was able to get through all four quarters without having an injury. Woo! That's, I mean, where's my where's my cheer button when I need it for that? <laughs> Julio Jones made it four quarters. That's where the bar set on him now at his point in his career. He does come into my wide receiver 3-3 because if he does play more, you're playing as the Steelers. They do let up points to the wide receivers so he can be in the conversation like he was in the conversation last week and put up four catches of 33 yards. Obviously, I don't love it. I don't trust it, but it's a conversation to be had. Are you, are you at that point? You're just like, no, don't don't even let me have Julio Jones anywhere near my No, team. I mean, I think you have to. It, I, I smile over here because I think about how this game's so, such a weird matchup for a game. The Pittsburgh Steelers, is a team that's been known for being able to run the ball and play great, wonderful defense and stopping the run, is atrocious at doing both those things, particularly stopping the run right now on defense. Their defense is awful. You look at Tennessee and you're like, okay, well, what do I look at for there? Like, is Julio Jones is a playable guy? Wow. But when you look at the secondary, the face, and it's like, yeah, I mean, who hasn't done well against the this, this secondary this year? Who has struggled versus the Pittsburgh Steelers? This defense has been bad. 
bad against the run, bad against the pass. And but you're 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 nervous because you know Tennessee's is an offense where like can you trust anything you see from Tennessee? Can Ryan Tannehill actually put two weeks together? And can who the hell are all these running backs? Can Julio Jones actually play for more than two games back to back? Wow, will that actually happen? So yeah, I mean I think it's preposterous that it's kind of worrisome, but I think Julio Jones is an option this week. I mean, you look at the matchup and you look at him as being the receiver one for this offense. Pittsburgh on the other side should theoretically be able to throw the ball decently against this secondary. So in a lot of ways, it could be a game where you think Julio Jones should be a guy that can be played. Yeah, could be. We'll talk about the running back situation real quick with Tennessee. Uh, So Jerry McNichols pretty much did what I expected him to do. He played ahead of Dontrell Hillard, but they kind of split each other's usage. Dante Foreman is the one who has the role that you can trust. He's the one who's going to get the ball in the goal line. He'll get the majority of the carries. And because Jeremy Nichols and Dontrell Hill are too busy eating into each other, Foreman does make my RB31 list. Again, we just talked about the Steelers. They can't stop the run either. There's a decent chance that he'll have an opportunity to score in this game. So he's another touchdown dependent RB3, but another guy that I think you can contemplate playing in your flex this week, depending upon what your options are. Yeah, I think Foreman is probably the safest thing. I think that it's a little bit maddening the backfield and then a really weird situation that kind of unfolded last week where McNichols wound up having more touches than Hilliard. He didn't really get those touches till the end of the game and the Tennessee was up by a decent amount and had the game in control. And you wouldn't think of him as your finishing running back, but that's kind of the role he played. Foreman was in and out of the game for some odd reason, was on the sidelines for most a good portion of the first half. And Hilliard had a stretch there where he was the running back in that first half. So it's kind of interesting to see how these things are kind of been switching up, even by just quarters for Tennessee. I don't know if necessarily think you can predict anything for the backup guys, but I think Foreman's the safest play because he's the best chance to get the opportunities in the red zone for the touchdown. I think the good news from a fantasy perspective is that although the Steelers have been just as weird as the Tennessee Titans are as a team, you know what to go after from a fantasy standpoint. Deontay Johnson, my wide receiver four. He's been phenomenal. He's been an absolute wide receiver one. Najee Harris, my running back two overall on the week. Obviously, you love his volume and you love their matchups. So the question comes Chase Claypool. So let's put all the end of the game antics aside for Chase Claypool from last week. He still had nine catches for 90 yards, even though he played as the third receiver in that game from a snap and routes run perspective. However, when he was out there, he was utilized. He does come into my wide receiver 34 this week. Cause I expect the same thing. Even if he doesn't play the same amount of snaps we're used to seeing when he's out there, I believe he will be utilized, especially over a James Washington or a Ray Ray McLeod. So Chris, do you, can you play, are you going to play chase Claypool as a wide receiver three in your lineup? I think it's tough. I think that you're looking for a guy who's got a very limited upside right now. You've been basically been living off those, you know, four or five catches, you're hoping between the 70 to 90 yards. 90 yards has been as high for, for most of the season, I think. Um, so you're going to have to look at the big play you kind of expect for Chase Claypool. It is a good matchup versus this on paper versus Tennessee, but I also think the secondary can kind of attack them, which is going to be hard for him to kind of get involved in this offense. So Chase Claypool, to me, is a guy that you're kind of throwing out there more as an upside play, and you're hoping that maybe you're, you, you're pretty solid everywhere else if you're going to play him. Otherwise, he's not a guy I'm really thrilled about playing in my lineup this week. Pat Freemuth is the only guy that I, I think I'm questioning. I have him at tight end 14 this week, so he's outside my top 12, although it'd still be in my quote-unquote streaming territory, high-end tight end two territory. You need a touchdown. I don't think he's going to get a ton of volume. Tennessee's been really good against tight ends this year, and that's part of it as well. Uh, 
I think if you have him and you've been leaning on him to get you to this point, I think you can continue to play him because that's what he does is get touchdowns. But I wouldn't expect the same kind of ceiling you're getting out of there. So are you going to play Pat Freeman or are you going to look for other options? I agree with what you're saying. I think it depends on what you have to kind of go to. You've been riding him. You probably are still going to have him in your lineup. But he's, he's got just as much of an upside in the floor as a lot of these other tight ends which you get outside the top ones. So I think it's going to be more of a preference thing. It's not, I mean, I know it's a bad matchup kind of on paper versus Tennessee, but I wouldn't be super threatened by that. I think he is obviously um, you know, Ben's second favorite target in the red zone or maybe even favorite target in the red zone, I should say. So I think that gives you the, kind of the, the floor you're looking for over some other guys. So I think you can play Pat Firmuth if you have to and if you, you know, have it. This game is a pick em. It's It's minus one and a half for Tennessee on the road in Pittsburgh. It's basically a pick em game. I agree with that being a pick em game. I would lean towards Tennessee winning this game. Even though Tennessee's been super ugly from a fantasy perspective, they still been able to win games like this. And Pittsburgh, not so much. They've been doing a great job of giving it away at the end of the game, especially since their defense has been no good. So I actually will bet on Tennessee to win this game. Uh, again, at, at the minus one and a half, basically a pick'em situation. The overrunner set at 41 and a half. Chris, where are you at on this one? So I think Tennessee should be able to dominate this game, actually. I think they match up really well with Pittsburgh. Um, I think that you look at, especially their running attack, the way they were able to kind of attack with when they were going to you know, the Patriot game, for example, you saw those backs really be utilized, and you saw the team kind of play downhill. The Steelers defense, you can. If you, start, if you want to be physical with them, you can blast them off the ball. I just watched Tennessee play down their competition this entire season, and that's why I can't think – I can't – Want to bet on that? So I'm with you. I think this is a pick'em game because it's more so on Tennessee just being so sporadic this season versus what I see in my eyes. Words this game should be Tennessee should be able to dominate this game if they play smartly. All right, all right. Let's breeze through this next matchup the way I'm going to breeze through it on Sunday when I pass it on my clicker. Uh, Houston and Jacksonville. Talk about a game. Game I of the no week. Oh, I think this is a game of the week. Oh man, <laughs> this is brutal. So we already got word Rex Burkhead, he's going to be out. Um, I don't oh, care about boo. Houston's running backs. With David Johnson, Royce Freeman, who who cares? They're going to find some reason, some excuse to bring some guy out the practice squad and make sure they have a three-man committee no matter what's going on out there. Davis Mills actually had a nice stat line last week. I get it. He's not a streaming option. But can he continue the success he had last week to boost Brandon Cooks back up the fantasy relevancy? Because he got back up to eight catches and 100 yards. Nice matchup here against Jacksonville. He comes in at wide receiver 24, so he's a low-end wide receiver 2. I still don't want to trust it completely after one game, but it's the matchup and the fact that Houston looks like they might be more willing to throw the ball a bit more because they're trying to see if Davis Mills can be the guy next year. I don't know why that's up for discussion, but it apparently is for the Houston Texans. Uh, So where are you at on Brandon Cooks? Are you going to play him your first round of playoffs after a game where he got resurged last week? I am because I'm by a narrative that you're selling where I think they're trying to make Davis Mills look as good as he possibly can. They're trying to give him as much volume as possible. It's magical that when Tyra was quarterback, how little Brandon Cooks moved around. And then suddenly when Davis Mills cuts back to quarterback, suddenly Cooks <laughs> all over the place and they're moving in the slot and the outside to make sure he's involved in the offense. I think you're definitely going to get some garbage time opportunity. You know, this Jacksonville offense is terrible, so you're going to put the ball back more often than not. So I think there's definitely a chance for Brandon Cooks to have a good game. On Jacksonville, the only player we care about is James Robinson. Carlos Hyde, he's dealing with a concussion injury, so we'll see if he's able to get cleared. If he's not, I think you at least trust that Robinson will get back involved in the passing game. I do have Robinson RB20, 
And I know you're going to say like, well, hold on. He only had six touches and he's been fantasy irrelevant the past couple of weeks. But even though it was only six carries, still technically that was like 95% of the work. So Robinson was out there for all the snaps, unlike the week before where he suddenly disappeared and Urban Meyer claimed he didn't know why or how that happened. (laughs) But it's against Houston. So Robinson gets 10 to 15 touches, which I can't see a scenario in which he doesn't against the Houston Texans. I do think he's an RB too. So believe it or not, I would play Robinson in my fantasy playoffs for this week. Yeah, I think the key thing is the running back playing versus Houston. Did you see Rashad Penny last week? Because yeah. Seattle's offensive line's atrocious. Rashad Penny's never run for 100 yards. He looked like that. And Henry all of a sudden, looked like he was like, you know, <laughs> Alvin Kamara running around like a man out there. So, yeah, I think that you definitely want to go against Houston defense. You do play James Robinson. I understand the reluctance, though, because I, I can't explain. I, I still can't wrap my mind around what the hell happened last week, how he got with five carries for eight yards. After all the talk, all goalie ends of the week, we're going to – he did six play. Carries I mean, he, he, six carries for four yards. And he, he was definitely the guy who played most of the snaps. And it was, But how the hell does Jacksonville run the ball like ten times the entire game? I will never understand, especially when your quarterback has four interceptions. But, hey, whatever. It's Jacksonville. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's brutal. So, how eager are you to bet on this game? <laughs> Jacksonville is favored minus three at home over the Houston Texans. The over under set at an abysmal thirty nine and a half. Believe it or not, I got a lock on the week in this game. I'm taking Houston plus three. I can't believe Jacksonville's favored by minus three points. I actually trust Houston more than Jacksonville. I'm taking Jacksonville. I'm taking Houston plus three. I'm calling it a lock. That's, I think it's super fascinating that these teams squared off week one and all all saw season talk was, was Houston going to win a game? And they got their first week week one win versus this very rough Jacksonville team. Um, I think that Houston should be able to beat them, but I'm not betting on this game because I think both teams are just awful. I don't even know how you can even – I don't know how you can even care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to care. Trust me. Uh, this last game is going to be interesting, though. We got the Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Ravens. So obviously you're playing Rodgers. He's a top five quarterback for me this week. Like I said, since he's been dealing with the toe injury, because he's not holding on to the ball longer than he normally would, trying to do too much with it. He's just taking what the defense gives him. It's actually made him better as a quarterback. His stat line has shot up through the roof. Him and Devontae Adams are clicking at the right time together too. Having some trouble getting into the end zone earlier in the season. Well, that hasn't been a problem now for the past few weeks. So you love Devontae Adams. You love Aaron Rodgers. The only conversation we need to have, what is your expected rotation out of an Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon? Or does it even matter? Because are you just going to play both these guys anyway? For me, I think both these guys are going to find their way into my lineup. I got Aaron Jones at RB18, A.J. Dillon at RB26. So an RB2 in a flex situation. I do think they're pretty close. I do think this is close to a 50-50 committee. I think Aaron Jones will play a little bit more than he did last week, but I don't think A.J. Dillon's going anywhere. So I don't think Aaron Jones is an RB1 anymore, but they're both going to be in my lineup. What about you? Yeah, I think they both have definitely been in your lineup. I look a little bit differently. I think that A.J. Dillon is the 1A, and I think right now Aaron Jones is the 1B. Then you're going to see basically a 50-50 split. Aaron Jones will continue to be involved more so in the passing game, but A.J. Dillon's not far behind him. I think you're going to continue to see him kind of be the guy that they lead on, especially when they get up. So I think you're just going to continue to see this kind of split that existed. I think Dylan might be able, I might have him rate a little higher than Jones, but I think both guys are definitely playable. 
So let's just flip over to the Baltimore side because that's where things are going to be a little bit more interesting. So the good news is Lamar, Lamar Jackson, if he doesn't play, Tyler Huntley showed he'll get the ball to the fantasy guys that you want him to get the ball to. Mark Andrews got all kinds of target when Tyler Huntley came in. Even Marquise Brown, people are down on him, but I thought he had actually a pretty good floor considering they had to go to the backup quarterback. Rashad Bateman looked pretty good. So I don't. I think from that standpoint, that's your silver line. If Tyler Huntley has to come in, I think you're okay with everybody else. You'd still play Mark Andrews with confidence. I still have Marquise Brown as a mid-level wide receiver too. Regardless, I think the thing that's interesting is Rashad Bateman. You know, is that a result of he's finally getting back to practice at a full capacity and therefore reflected on the field, or does he need Sammy Watkins to be out to trust that he'll play to that clip to maybe be a wide receiver three you could throw in your lineup? I think it's another factor. I think it's both those factors. It is also that you have a quarterback who's comfortable throwing to a receiver. He probably threw to him a lot more in practice and had probably an opportunity to kind of get a chemistry with. So I think that's where you see him kind of look for Bateman because he was used to throwing to him a lot more versus the other guys who've been, you know, kind of skizzed stars around the ones the whole season. And I think that as a result, you're going to see him look for him. Watkins was out. You saw the kind of jump for Bateman. But I think the key to this game, though, is going to be for the second receiver for you to be able to trust is how much you think the Ravens are going to score in this game because they had a lot of frantic mode kind of to come back to get all those receivers involved as you kind of talked about had they not had to come back the way that they did in down 20 I don't think you're going to see the Ravens throw the ball necessarily as much as they did and then you're not going to get the volume for those receivers that second receiver particularly to kind of eat I think Andrews is definitely a safe play I think Marquise Brown is definitely a safe play I actually like Tyler Hutley if you're a Lamar Jackson owner as an option and one of the better guys you could probably play for waivers and even DFS now possibly this week but I think overall I think that's that second pass catcher or after the third pass catcher in the offense isn't somebody that you can trust in this game. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a boomer bust option to it. And I agree with you. Tyler Huntley, by the way, definitely a good pivot option if you wind up not having Lamar Jackson available to you. But I, and I should have made this point on the Green Bay side, I do think they're going to have to come back from behind. I do think they're going to have to score a lot of points, regardless if it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley, because defensively, they don't even have Marlon Humphrey going into this game. The Packers are going to be able to put up some points. I think the Ravens have to come back from behind quite a bit in this one. I think the volume will be there. So that's why Rashad Bateman, if it's going to be him again, I do have a little bit of interest. But I understand going to your fantasy football playoffs round one, you probably have somebody else you trust a little bit more because I feel like Bateman's at that point where you'd want to see it for one more week to get the confirmation that he's definitely the guy over Watkins because uh, Watkins was able to practice today. So there's a decent chance he's going to be activated for Sunday. So I think it's a situation you'd like to see it happen one more week. And because we don't have one more week, you may want to try to find another option other than Rashad Bateman. I don't disagree with you there, but something to kind of keep your eye on. I don't see, I just don't understand why it wouldn't be Rashad Bateman. He was your first round wide receiver. Uh, You know, he's the future of this team. He's definitely has more upside. He's, if he's better, your team will be better in the playoffs. So I just don't get why they wouldn't stick with him, but I do understand why it would be a one more week type of thing. Uh, for him let's talk about betting this game between the Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Ravens in this week's matchup the best one o'clock game that we have frankly on the slate as I try to find it and pull it up here we uh woof. was this another game they took off the I'm gonna say, without, without Lamar being to find in or out I'm sure it's going to severely affect what the line's going to be yeah, they might have taken this game off until we know exactly with Lamar because I'm not finding it. Earlier, 
today. It was Green Bay minus six and a half. That's what it was earlier today. I'm not finding the line now. So they might have actually taken this off with the news that Lamar Jackson did not practice today. So we may have to wait until later in the week to be able to bet on this game. Uh, it's going to depend on what the line is. Because that, that six and a half line, I thought that was I thought that was right on the money where I probably wouldn't go either direction. I do think the Packers are going to win this game regardless of who the quarterback for Baltimore is. Just because they're the better team and playing really well on both sides of the ball right now. But um, I do think the Ravens will be able to keep this game close. So just keep your eye on that line. But guys, guess what time it is now. The mail's here. So remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. We'll answer all your questions, pick out a few favorite ones, give you shout outs on the show. So first up, we got Alex. Let's start off our laundry list of quarterback questions. Jalen Hurts or Tua Tagovailoa this week? For me, it's still definitely Jalen Hurts. But maybe a more interesting question would be, is it Gardner Minshew or Tua Tagovailoa, Chris? Well, I think it's definitely Jalen Hurts if he's active. And if it's, we had a choice between Tua and, and Minshew this week, I probably still lean towards Tua. I think that you have the better matchup. You have a safer floor. I know that Minshew looked really well, played really well last time, but you look at the Jets' defense right now, one of the historically worst defenses you can go against, and you go to them. I agree with that. Larry, he asked Dak Prescott or Taysom Hill this week. It, that is an interesting, valid question, but I'm going with Dak. I think Dak gets right against the New York Giants. I think Taysom Hill still will finish inside the top 12. I have him ranked inside the top 12. But I do think Tampa Bay is going to be one of the harder defenses he's had to play against. And I question how much of a ceiling he has against Tampa. But regardless, I love Dak against the Giants this week to get him out of his slump. So give me Dak all day. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go Taysom Hill. who's finished back-to-back top four quarterback performances, including a game that wasn't that great against Dallas. Still finished top four. So I think you look at the rushing floor, you look at the volume he's been able to do, not worry about Tampa Bay stopping him from running more with them stopping out of their running backs from running. So I think Taysom Hill has a nice play, and that's who I go with. All right. Next up, we have OJ. He has James Robinson or Saquon Barkley, and I have them ranked exactly one spot apart from each other. But I do have it leaning towards Saquon Barkley because at least I trust that as long as he's active, he'll actually get the football (laughs) with James Robinson. We don't really know. So I will say Saquon by a bit. Yeah, I want to go with Saquon, but I, I'll go with James Robinson. Just I think you, it's, it's hard to give up a guy who plays against Houston where you, you can get 15 touches. Hopefully, you should be able you know, be productive versus Saquon who can get 15 touches, maybe 30 yards possibly. So I would go with James Robinson. I think it's a safer bet in some, somehow, some way. <laughs> <laughs> Ramsey, he asked Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts. It will be Justin Herbert for me in Thursday Night Football because uh, you're gonna have, one, you're going to have to make that decision early. Uh, and two, we just, you're not going to know exactly about Jalen Hurts yet. And because Justin Herbert's a top five option for me anyway, it's definitely going to be Herbert for me over Hurts. Yeah, I go with Herbert. He's, he's been the high quarterback. He's been the guy who's has all his healthier weapons available to him. Whereas the Chiefs defense is within their best pass rusher and two of their starting corners. I go with Justin Herbert in that situation. All right. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, make sure you're hitting us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit us up on your favorite pod streaming app. And make sure you download us on the Amazon App Store. 
for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dahauer. We'll be back later with the Thursday Night Football recap and the late slate matchup previews for Week 15. So everybody stay for that. It will be Thursday night or Friday morning. We'll see you guys again soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.